It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Thank you, Mike Ross. Hi, everybody. Jim Taddy here with Leafs Guy, Episode 13, Season 3. Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun will be our guest. And before we get going, hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and an even bigger payout. Here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game. Get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Use the code THPN. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, on to the hockey story. And it seems like the week after New Year's Eve, a bit of a struggle for the Leafs up and down. An overtime win in St. Louis, a dreadful loss in Arizona, a nice win in Colorado, a shootout loss to St. Louis in a wacky game at home, and then the loss to Seattle on Thursday night where uh, it didn't look good. 5-1 was the score. Here are my thoughts on all this. You could put the games that are wrapped around Christmas and New Year's in, in a category that I call limbo. There's a lot of things that go on there. There's weirdo travel. There's some weird scheduling. There's some family obligations. And so I don't really judge any team on what happens there. For me, the second half of the season or the post-New Year's break starts for the Leafs Saturday at home to Detroit. When you look at their schedule, there's all kinds of really nice games here that aren't uh, not a lot of travel involved. I think the furthest they go is Chicago, and that takes us into February. At the late February, they go into Seattle. But there's a lot of home games. There's a lot of Eastern time zone travel and uh, it's it's less wear and tear on the team and that's where I would make my judgment and of course that would take us real close to the trade deadline which is the ultimate judgment for this hockey team well that's the way I think here is our conversation with Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun let's see what he has to say about that Well, Terry, uh, you know, an odd stretch for the team, but coming off that uh, fantastic November and early December, I guess this was expected. What do you think? Well, I, I guess, Jim, I mean, expected might be, I'm not sure how, how I'd put it that way, but 
you know, they're, they've come back down to earth a bit, the team as a whole, and, and uh, you know, uh, at the forefront of that is the goaltending. You know, the save percentage since the middle of December has been been the worst in the league, and before then it was uh, second best only, only to Boston. So, you know, uh, I guess there was the thinking, can Matt Murray and, and, and Ilya Samsonov keep this going, the starts they had after they got through their respective injuries, and uh, maybe we're getting the answer right now. Now that's that's not an overly big sample size since mid December gym. It's only about nine or ten games, but you know, uh they have to they have to pull their socks up, there's no doubt about that. You've got to find a way to do that with goaltending coach Curtis Sanford and then you know, um uh, in, in the play in front of them uh, has to improve as well. They're you know, the Leafs cracked down defensively and did a really good job of that and you know, they've been giving up uh, quite a few goals now in the past handful of games and uh you know, there, there were a lot of inconsistencies, uh, especially in their own end. So I don't know if it was expected, but it, it's something that, you know, I, I would th- like to think that for the first couple of months we saw this team could be. So there should be some confidence that they can, they can get out of this uh, fairly quickly. Yeah, so I have them at 4-4-1 four, four, and one in their last nine. What, what's crazy to me right. is that when yeah. you go through, if you went through the numbers, you're going to find they're almost exactly the same as a year ago, which is odd because they don't look like they did a year ago. They actually look a lot better, don't they? Yeah, they do. And they were, they, you know, the goals against uh, for the first few months were, were right up there at near the top of the league. And, uh, you know, so that was an improvement and uh, they were, they were getting that done. We saw, you know, the goaltending was, was a real vast improvement over what uh, Jack Campbell and Peter Mrazek had supplied last year, Jim, especially in the second half. So, you know, there are, there have been some differences that way. I mean, you know, are individually a guy like Austin Matthews and filling that like he did, but he has been fairly consistent. I mean, Willie, Willie Nylander's on a different planet right now. He's just playing really good hockey, and Mitch Marner is doing what Mitch Marner does. Tavares is good. But, you know, the, the, the injuries on defense, they got through all those quite nicely, and, and Sheldon Keep was pushing the right buttons. And, you know, you see Sandine come back, Riley come back, and, and things are off kilter a little bit. I think that that group will get it back, will get it right. I mean, now that they're – the defense pairs are, are probably where you want them to be, and you keep your fingers crossed for no more injuries. But, you know, the good thing is now Sheldon Keith knows that if he has to, he can plug in Connor Timmins and probably get some good minutes out of him uh, where he didn't know that before necessarily, uh, perhaps Jordy Ben. But it, it, the signs are, you know, it is a different team this year. They are better, I think. But, you know, like I say, you would like to think they would have got some of these ruts out of their game, but they haven't done that yet. Yeah, a couple of points of concern. Uh, Samsonov certainly has not looked good the last week. He his lateral movement is is really awkward, and that was one of the features of his game. He looks like he's lost yep. uh, some some confidence, positioning, or maybe both. Well, yeah, I'd agree with that. There seems to be some guessing going on in his game, eh, Jim? And yeah. and, and uh, you know, uh, out of position, like you say, out of position a lot. I mean, there were in a few goals where he's been lying prone on the ice and wondering what's going on and. And, uh, you know, this is the type of thing that, you know, he had, he had been doing with the Capitals that, you know, led to him not getting qualified last summer, right? Yeah. So there were, issues, there were issues there that way. And, you know, initially it looked like those things were out of his game, but they seemed to have crept, they didn't seem to have crept back in. They have crept back in. It's on himself and, and Curtis Sanford to get those things out of his game. And, you know, his partner hasn't been great either. I mean, there were some goals last night that Matt Murray knows he should have stopped and, uh, you know, didn't make the saves and they were required. So he's been a little bit up and down as well, to be quite honest. This is Sam, Samsonov. It seems to be, you know, the goals are going in at, at, at a much higher rate. A lot of uh, four-goal games for him recently against. And, 
you know, uh, it's it, and, and and this is this is where the Leafs are with the goaltending, Jim. I mean, we talked about we'll talk about the trade deadline, perhaps, since not so March third and that sort of thing. But you know, goaltending will not be high on on uh, on Calvin Dubas's list. What they have is what they're going to have, and you know, it's on these guys to turn it around. Yeah, totally agree with that. Uh, it's interesting. I'm just looking at the roster that played at Thursday night against Seattle, and it's pretty well the roster that they would like to have. You, you know, you could argue yeah. about the left wing on on Tavares's line, but I mean, it's pretty well set, and and yet it's not functioning the way it should. But that that could just be a matter of time. But I mean, when you, it is pretty well what they have. They are who they are, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Like I said, you've got your 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 six on the blue line. I mean, I'm not counting Jake Muzzin or not. I don't know when or if we'll see him again this season. Um, but up front, yeah, I mean, it's uh, those are the people that you would think are going to go forward here. And and like you say, I guess the one question mark is the uh, you know you know Yarncroke on in the top six, and is Kyle Dubas able to add to that before um, before March third? You know, and we've seen in the past year that Dubas's his preference has been to uh, get these things done out of the way. Um, uh, well in advance of the deadline. So whether that happens at the end of January again or sometime in February, we'll have to see. But this is more or less the group that 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 will be going forward once the deadline uh, passes. And I don't think there are any major changes by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, if you're an optimist, say, look, we know what this group is capable of because we've seen it. And there have been some hiccups here coming out of uh, the Christmas break. I mean, it was a weird trip last week. Jim was on the road with them, and there was a tired group and not to make excuses or anything, but they did have some interesting travel, as we know, coming out of it, you know, changing a time zone, getting fine like they did, going in a day early to St. Louis. But, um, you know, they're capable of turning it around. They're, they're capable of playing better hockey. And I think if the people are, are, are concerned, they should remember that, that uh, we have seen it in this group. Yeah, so you mentioned the early flight thing and the fine. What was the reasoning behind yeah. that? You know, the NHL CBA, uh, which the players, of course, agreed to, stipulates that you there are to be no team activities, including travel, on the 24th, 5th, and 6th. Um, but, you know, then the NHL turns around. So, so you know, what, what's supposed to happen is you're not supposed to do anything as a group until the, the morning of the 27th at the earliest. And, you know, if you play that night, well, well, too bad. And, you know, for the Leafs, it was, it was traveling and, uh, you know, um, like I said, changing a time zone. And instead of getting up at, you know, five in the morning on, on, on boxing, or sorry, on the 27th, flying to St. Louis, trying to cram in a, uh, a, a morning skate and then playing that night. They figure, okay, we know we're going to take the flying here. We'll, we'll go in, you know, probably uh, eight or nine hours earlier. They end up traveling late on the, uh, on the, um, you know, late on the night of boxing day, knowing full well the flight was going to come. I mean, this is an unprecedented, it's happened other teams before, but, you know, it, it, it's kind of a it's it's kind of a tough thing in, in my in my opinion, Jim, for for teams to if you're going to have a if you're going to insist that the teams play on the 27th coming out of that, then you know all of those all all of the teams that are traveling should be within an hour or so of where they're getting to. You shouldn't have teams changing a time zone and and all that sort of thing, and uh, you know traveling a little further like the Leafs had to. You want to put them in Buffalo or or Detroit or Montreal or Ottawa or even you know New York, Boston that night than fine. But, you know, they, they chose to go that way and, you know, wind up winning that night in overtime, so I guess it helped. But uh, they figure it was money well spent, but it was still a, still a longest trip for them because to get from St. Louis to Phoenix the next day, uh, that's not exactly a short uh, flight either. 
Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, the league mandate is that you're you're always in town the night before the game. Uh, sometimes it's in the wee hours of the morning. But, I mean, to fly yeah. in, on the same day of a game, it sort of goes against another league rule. But, uh, you know, I don't I don't blame them for doing well, it. I just Yeah, I don't either. And, you know, what, Tim, the thing that I, I don't get is, you know, we, we know – we know being around these guys and, and, you know, the fans know what, what type of, uh, you know, well-oiled machines they are as athletes, if you want to put it that way, they, they have their routines. So, you know, to say to them, okay, not only you're not going to be on the ice for three days, at least we're on the ice for four. Cause remember they had the 23rd off after beating Philly in the 22nd. So they're off the ice for four days. Now you got to turn on travel and play in the same day. Well, you know, maybe make the 27th uh, coming, you know, going forward or the next few days, whatever. If you want to have those three days off, make the 27th a day where the team is either practicing or traveling or both, not having to play that night. Because you're right, it does seem kind of silly to say, okay, well, you know, you're not allowed to travel on the 26th, but, you know, you and for people who are used to routine, go and play the next night after after getting there somehow and, and making all that work. It just... It flies in the face of, of what what the uh, of what what professional athletes do, and uh, like I say, I know that I know the PA agrees to it, obviously in the CBA, but it is a bit it is a bit of an odd quirk, and you kind of wonder if they'll revisit that when uh, when the next negotiations come around for the CBA. Yeah, I agree with that. It's kind of a double standard, but anyway, so let's, let's yeah. move on from there. Uh, this is you know yeah. the week between Christmas and New Year's to me, are uh, and the week after New Year's. That whole Christmas break thing is is just something I never really get concerned about, so it doesn't really bother me that. The least they're a little off kilter at this particular yeah. time because uh, you know it's sporadic. You've got weirdo situations, so I, I would sort of count the season like I'd put those last two weeks into limbo, and I'd count the season Saturday against Detroit. Yeah, you know what? I, yeah, it's been a week. Like I say, it's been a weird couple of weeks. Travel or not, last week, you know, the like I said, the Leafs were there were some late flights. They practiced a couple of days, and, and you know, the, the bottom line is they still did manage to win two out of the three. You know, they were really good in Colorado. I mean, the, the, the Adams really didn't have much of a sniff against them. And you know, I know they had Nathan McKinnon back that night. And he'd been out for close to a month, and whether any player is going to be a bit rusty, but. So I, I think, you, you, yeah, you, you take all of it with a grain of salt. Even that victory, you know, the, the, the game against Arizona, you just throw out. I mean, the circumstances there were so bizarre, you know, more playing in what what would amount to a junior hockey rink, which was odd enough in itself. Um, but I'm with you on that. You know, these these weeks that, you, that you're coming out of the break and you're still trying to find yourself in with the Leafs case, you know, you've got guys, two vital people on the blue line coming back from injuries. So... It's a bit of a double thing for them and Sandy and O'Reilly, like I mentioned. So they're trying to find it as well. Yeah, but I guess the thing is, you're right. You want you want to now turn your way out of it. There is there is an opportunity for the Leafs here to to get it to get going again. Like you say, the, the Christmas break doesn't last forever, and they do have to turn it around. But uh, you know, other teams aren't going to let them make that easy on them either. Detroit's a bit all right and silly, silly, but. You know, they got a couple of road games. And the, the, the good thing for the Leafs, I suppose, Jim, is there's not a lot of travel in January and February at all. Like, there's eight road games in total, and they're all close, uh, more or less. So the Leafs have a real opportunity here to get something done because they're going to be playing a lot at home, and it should be comfortable. So let's go back to the Mullard Arena. What was that like? <laughs> well, you know what? It reminded me of being back in my OHL days in the late 90s when I would be, you know, in whether it's the Hershey Center or Brampton, uh, you know, uh, Saint, not really St. Mike's Arena because that was something unto itself uh, covering the yeah. majors there, but it, it just had that feel to it. Now the difference was, and I don't want to knock Mississauga and Brampton, but you know the, there were no never any fans at those games, and Mullet Arena was packed on uh, last week, and 
you know, it, it was, it was, uh, I'll put it this way, Jim, it was, it was, it was interesting to do once. And I, I'm, you know, I, I think the players might tell you the same thing, you know, once a year is fine and you, you hope it doesn't go beyond the three years or so that the Coyotes are planning to play there. I mean, the least dressing room was in a, was in a, a building next door. So the re- to get oh. from there to the ice surface, there were maybe four or five sets the players had to take outside literally between these two buildings. So, you know, in Arizona, that's a bad thing. The weather's nice and all that, but uh, there were some oddities to it. I think too, the the coach's office in the, in the visitor room was was up a flight of stairs, as were the uh, the shower facilities for the players. So some oddities there. The room itself was great. You know, I, for for three years, I think it'll, it'll be uh, it'll be nice for visiting teams. But um, you hope it's you hope it is just a stopgap uh, in that situation here in that area, Jim. And you know, the, the other thing too is like that night there were, I, I, I would hate to say of the 4,600 people, a couple of thousand were wearing leaf sweaters and 90% of those are Matthew sweaters. So, you know, if they're, if, if, if it's another opponent, I know that they've been, they've been, uh, you know, topping out at 4,600 for, for their home games, but if it ever comes a time in the next few years, they're not selling that arena. It's, that's not going to be good. It's not good right now that they're there, but like I said, it's unique and, at least get to do it once a year, and that's probably enough. Yeah, um, it's a bad TV show. I mean, the, the video looks like there's a blue tint to yeah. it, and the lighting is awful. The lighting was awful. You know what? I saw I had some people asking me about it on Twitter, what's the lighting there as the game was on, and there were long shadows. There's no doubt about it. And then, you know, we got a few glimpses of uh, of the game on TV uh, for replays and that sort of thing, and you had an idea. And because the camera angle didn't look good either, from what I could tell. No. Um, no. Yeah, so, it, yeah, it just didn't. You know, it had that, uh, you know, again, going back to what I know uh, from the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, you watch the OHL game of the week on Saturday afternoons or whatever it was, it kind of had that same feel to it, but even on the TV. So, again, not NHL, not what you want in the NHL, but like I say, the the league seems to be doing everything in its power to keep that team in that city or in that area, and uh, this is what you get when uh, you run into the challenges, I guess. That's, that's a monumental commitment by the league to retain hockey in Arizona. I can't believe it, really. Yeah, I can't either, Jim. It's it's uh, they've gone above and beyond to keep it there, and you know, it's uh, like I say, if it gets to the point where they're not selling it out, it's going to be an awfully bad look, hmm. a really bad one. Anyway, okay, let, let's end on this, Terry. Um, you know, we talked about the lineup being set the way it is, and. and you know, yeah. The obvious ad would be a left winger to play in the Tavares line. Uh, you know, what do you think they'd be willing to give up, and what do you think they would look at? Well, it's, it's hard to say right now because there's still a lot of time for this to happen. But if, you, if you're look, if you're if you're talking about a top six player, um, you know they're going to have to. You know, is it, is it a Nick Robertson that goes out? Uh, you know, I, I don't know what type of prospects they'd be willing to deal or willing to part with, but. It might take something like that. And what kind of a draft pick are you? Is it the first round pick you would think um, would have to be part of the situation uh, if you're talking about a, a legitimate top six player? And I'm talking about a guy, Jim. I think you'd be too that that, that you know is going to be a top six. It, with, with guys like Yarncroke and, and Kerfoot, all due respect, you're pushing them into a hole there that I don't think is a, is necessarily the best fit. I, the other thing is too, if, if this happens too, and, and Dubas is able to get that guy. Then you have Yarncroke and Kerfoot on your third line. I think that really strengthens it for sure. And yeah. uh, you have that, you have even greater depth there. But you know, you're gonna have to. The old saying goes, you're gonna have to give up something to get something. But certainly, I, I wouldn't think would be a future considerations type of thing. You know, whether that person coming in is on an expiring uh, 
uh, contract. We'll have to see. I know there was talk of Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, he's injured now in Colliver and uh, St. Louis, and um, you know, have to see where that goes. But uh, I would be more surprised than not if, if that doesn't happen in some form for the Leafs. But like I say, I mean, maybe maybe you look at an Engvall who you know who's up the, he's up this year. Maybe he goes up the other way. Who knows? But um, there will there, there's going to be a different look post March third. I would think and. And I would, you know, you'd like to think that it would be in that top six. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and it seems like a wild card that Matthew Nyes would turn pro and be that guy, right? Well, listen, I know that there's a lot of there's some finger crossing for that, but you're asking for a heck of a lot there, Jim, uh, yeah. for a kid to make that uh, for a kid to make that uh, that um, you know that transition. You know, we were talking to Matty Veneers yesterday after the morning skate, and just you know, the, the, I know he played uh, ten games last year with Seattle, but just the the, uh, the adjustment he's made from the NCAA, and you're saying, you know, the, the biggest thing is, I think last night was his 37th game, and that, that was his full season last year in Michigan. And here we are, we're only, what, at January 5th or 6th, right? So there is that adjustment of the daily grind. Now, Matt and I will be coming in a lot later, I understand that, but uh, that's an awfully short runway for him to get comfortable in, in being your top six. I, I don't see it happening, having, him having that kind of impact, again, asking for a lot out of the player but you know it's going to be an option for them i would think i would think that they will add him and 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 give him a go to see what he can he can do but uh you can't rely on that it's it's incumbent on on dubas to make sure that he has an experienced nhl player in that spot and not just keep your fingers crossed and hope that uh, matt and i can be the guy jerry thanks very much happy new year Happy New Year, Jim. Thanks for having me. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you, Mike Ross, for the time warning. Time now for Lickety Split. Yes, guy, no guy on the way out. Yes, guy, no guy number one. Concerned about the league's play lately. Well, as I said earlier, no guy. This is a limbo part of the schedule. Nothing to worry about. It'll all smooth out. Yes, guy, no guy number two. This lineup is pretty well the way it'll stay. I'm going to say yes, guy, to that. They may add a winger. I don't see much else being added. Don't need any help in the blue line. Goaltending is three deep, so I'm going to say yes, guy. This lineup is pretty well set. And the final yes, guy, no guy. Look at the split yes, guy, no guy. Goaltending will figure its way out. Oh, that's a hard yes, guy. Got to have faith here. Thanks for stopping by and downloading Episode 13, Season 3 of Leaf Sky. Hope you come back next week for Episode 14.